We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's always great to have Peter King stop on by Damon and Ratto each and every Tuesday. And if for any reason, Peter, we end this quickly, it's because uh, all of a sudden we are going to get news on Aaron Judge, who, let's face it, a couple of, what, months ago, not even, I guess it was like uh, during the World Series, you were saying you thought that Aaron Judge might end up with the San Francisco Giants, and uh, today we saw John Heyman get everyone really excited with a tweet that he retracted, it's not about to happen, so I ask you this, Peter King, before we get into any football talk. Have you ever tried to break a story that you found out was completely wrong and then had to retract it? Well, not exactly the same way, but when Deflategate was birthed with the Patriots, I don't know if who remembers this, but the night that that happened and the next day, Chris Mortensen of ESPN reported, first Bob Kravitz of at the time of the Indianapolis Star reported that uh, the league was investigating the Patriots for deflating the footballs in a playoff game at Foxborough. And uh, and what happened was Chris Mortensen the next day came out and said that he had information that 11 of the 12 footballs were indeed underinflated. I think he said by two pounds. And so obviously that was the story of the day. So I called two people inside the league who I felt would have intimate, very close knowledge of this. And both of them said the story is true. And I reported that, you know, I can confirm this story is true. And then as time went on, we found out that the story was not true. And I think I know exactly why, what happened, uh, and why I was told what I was told, not because somebody was lying, to make the Patriots look bad, but it was because the uh, the people inside the stadium, the security people and the people who initially discovered this, um, gave him wrong information. Not that, not that uh, the story was entirely out of left field, although when Roger Goodell gave his uh, uh, gave his uh, penalty for, for that. I said that, you know, when it was very, very hard on Tom Brady, uh, I said that Roger Goodell killed an ant with a sledgehammer uh, because he way, I think, way overpunished uh, for what was an extremely mild, uh, I shouldn't say that, shouldn't say extremely mild. It wasn't that serious of an offense if it indeed happened. 
we don't really know if it happened. But be that as it may, uh, I reported that and I had to come out and basically say, I'm wrong. Uh, I apologized. I offered to resign from Sports Illustrated at the time, and they said, no, we don't accept your resignation, and so life went on. But Wow, you tried to fall on your own sword? I mean, did, do you realize yeah, that if I everyone... I reported it was a big story, and just because I trusted these two people who told me this, uh, they were wrong, and so I was wrong. But the public doesn't care that they were wrong. They trust me and what I say to be true. And so the fact is, it wasn't true. And if they had said, we're going to have to accept your res uh, resignation, I would have said that it, I'm not even angry about that. It's, it's, it's worthwhile. It's not worthwhile, but it's the right decision. And so anyway, we all moved on, but I, I, don't, I, I don't have any idea what happened with John Heyman or anything like that. But... Uh, there are many times in today's world because of the intense um, competition involved in stories like this. And now John works for the New York Post. Uh, so he, everybody looks at him and Joel Sherman of the Post and says, okay, you guys, you want to know this better than anybody, what's going on? But again, I don't have any idea what happened or why this happened, and we'll see where he goes. But, you know, can I just get back to one last thing about Judge when we talked about it a couple of months ago? Please. The only, the only reason why this always had some legs to me is that, so, okay, I live in Brooklyn. And I've lived in greater New York for all but two of the last 37 years of my life. And so I'm used to the way life works here and the sports life works. And if you live here, and I'm a big baseball fan, you can tell the players in all sports who love playing here, and maybe the players who don't really love playing here. Yeah. Like Jacob deGrom, I, I could just tell, this guy doesn't like New York. He's never, he never does anything in New York. He never says, oh, this is great. I'm going to spend New Year's Eve in Times Square. You know, he just, he just was a guy, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But he was a guy who I always thought, when that guy's contract is done, man, he'll be on the first train out of town. And this past year, you started hearing it and feeling it with Aaron Judge. You just did. That he was a little bit ticked off at the Yankees, and Time Magazine wrote it today. He's a little bit ticked off at the Yankees uh, for spreading what the uh, uh, contract was uh, that, he, uh, that he didn't want to sign. Right. So there was that. And you just always got the feeling, every time he was asked about it this year, Hey, look, I love the Yankees. I love playing for the Yankees. But I'm hitting free agency. I'm going to see what's out there. And I always thought, you know, here's a guy from, I don't want to say rural California, because it, it really isn't. But here's a guy from sort of Americana, California, <laughs> who's not used to the big city life necessarily. And you never got a sense that this guy really was adopting New York as his place. And I always just said, 
Well, let's just see. He's going to have one time in his life, one, one time in his prime to choose where he wants to play. And this is it. We're here right now. So he has to know that if you uh, if you sign with the Yankees, you'll die a Yankee. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a curiosity or you want to play somewhere else and you sign with the Yankees, that's all over. It's not going to happen anymore unless it's a, a Joe Namath uh, with the Rams or Johnny Unitas with the Chargers or or Franco Harris in Seattle. It is, it, you know, when you're playing out the string, when you are absolutely finished and you're playing out the string a year or two somewhere else. But this is his chance. If he truly loves California and did, in fact, dream at one point of playing for the Giants, this is the only time he's ever going to get a chance to act on it. All right. I was just told if we ask you another follow-up baseball question, they're going to ask for my resignation. So let's get to what we have Peter King on to talk about. And obviously, you talk about playing out a string. Well, even though the news on Garoppolo's foot was better than expected today, they will be playing out this regular season string with Brock Purdy. What did you think of Purdy and what you saw? And how much do you think actually changes for the 49ers with Brock Purdy running, let's call it, a a stripped-down, easier-than-most run-based offense that Kyle loves to run? Well... I'm really not sure that the for I'm sure the 49ers are going to change some of what they do. But I can tell you after spending time with both Shanahan and Brock Purdy on Sunday night after that game that there was a play in that game and I wrote about it extensively in my column on Monday. The 3rd and 10 play late in the first half with the score tied at 10 where the Dolphins were blitzing the heck out of out of Brock Purdy. And you probably remember the play. He comes to the line, and it's an eight-man front, and he knows he's going to get blitzed again. He had to adjust his call at the line of scrimmage. Kyle Shanahan is on the sidelines. There's nothing he can do. Play's been called in, and after 15 seconds, you can't talk to the quarterback anymore. So he can't say a word to Brock Purdy. But Brock Brock Purdy comes to the line and he looks it over and he's got to call a little bit of an audible at the line of scrimmage. And what he does is he basically calls something out at the line that tells uh, George Kittle, hey, listen, cut your route a little bit short because I'm going to get killed here by somebody. I don't know who it is. And it turns out that only four Miami rushers came, but one of them, Jalen Phillips, was totally unblocked. And so uh, Brock Purdy threw a ball that traveled 11 yards in the air up the right seam on a post route to George Kittle. He caught it game 19, and that is the play that the 49ers used to uh, take a lead before halftime. And they were off to the races. But the one other thing that I found out afterwards, there have been six passes completed in the NFL this year. Six total passes that were completed in 1.72 seconds or less with a throw that traveled at least 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Brock Purdy's was the sixth. 
The reason that this is significant is that it told, and Shanahan told me this an hour and a half after the game, it told Shanahan and it told his teammates he can stand in there and take a hit, number one, which he did. Number two, he can understand at the line of scrimmage, I have to change this play, and the play clock is in the single digits, so we got to do it in a hurry. And number three, he can be accurate in the face of a heavy rush. And so I agree that, obviously, losing Jimmy Garoppolo is a blow. And Brock Purdy almost certainly isn't going to be as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. But I would be careful in saying that they're going to have they're they're now playing uh, with uh, with a very deficient quarterback who's not going to be able to do the job. I'm not sure about that. In fact, when I met with him, I can just tell you. First of all, obviously, you guys have seen him now. Everybody's seen him. He looks like he's 17 years old. I'm not sure. I think he shaves about once a month, and he, he's uh, but he is incredibly sure of himself. And when you play 48 games in the Big 12, you know, you have played in Norman, Oklahoma in front of 80,000, in Austin, Texas in front of 80,000, in wherever, in Iowa City, Iowa in front of however 70, I don't know how many people go, but I mean, he's played in some games that in that moment in time were very big games. I don't think he's cowed by this at all. And I don't know how he's going to play. None of us know. But I think he's got a chance to hold the fort for the Niners. Uh, you said that you think the offense will be different, at least to, to an, a certain extent, with Purdy rather than Garoppolo. In what ways would you surmise that it will be different? Will there be a greater emphasis on on a short throw and, and more runs? Is it, what does your logical sense tell you? Um, that first of all, as long as, um, I think he's got three tremendous receivers in short and intermediate areas. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And, I think that they are really going to try to make a living uh, get not necessarily dumping the ball to these guys, but in taking shorter chunks to those guys. And I think, you know, it's funny. In the time I was with Purdy, the thing that caused him to, like, be a little bit gee whiz is he said that, and you guys remember, on the drive that was extended by the pass that I just described, it ended with uh, the short touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey. But but remember, on the play before that, he threw a catchable ball that McCaffrey dropped. And after that play, and, and then the next play, obviously, you know, the touchdown pass is thrown. But what I found so interesting is that on the when they came to the bench, McCaffrey went up to him and he basically said, uh, essentially, hey, listen, thanks for having faith in me. Thanks for keeping faith in me. And as Purdy told me, he said, can you believe it? 
this, this is, you know, one of the best players around, and he's telling me in my, you know, really in my first game action, and he's accomplished so much already, hey, thanks for having faith in me. Are you kidding me? And so that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to hold the 49ers in good stead. They understand exactly the situation they're in right now. Not only that Purdy has got to play, but you know what? They better keep him upright. <laughs> you know, because, you know, even though they've lost two starters, imagine if they lost a third. So uh, I think they're going to want to try everything they can to try to keep him out of harm's way as much as they can. Peter King with us here on 95.7 The Game. How many players can you honestly say are having better seasons than Nick Bosa? No, he's unbelievable. He really is. Um, you know, I'll tell you this. If this had been a game that the 49ers won 25-17 to 17, uh, and Garoppolo played and everything, I, my story was going to be about Nick Bosa coming out of it. Uh, because obviously he had a gigantic impact on this game. Um, and look, the one thing that we know about the 49ers right now is that, and again, this is the biggest if of the rest of the season because we have seen the 49ers get hurt a lot and at different times. But point I would make is that if they stay relatively healthy, um, Brock Purdy can be a C to C plus quarterback and they can still go very far. I don't think they can win at Philadelphia on the last Sunday in January, but I think any other challenge they have, if they have that defense, uh, they can, they can meet those challenges. What, um, okay. Since, since you broached the subject, what teams do the 49ers, as presently constructed and with no further injury issues, what are the teams you don't think they can beat come January, inclu- uh, including Philadelphia? Well, <clears throat> I mean, to me, the big question is, and again, I, I wrote the other day, I mean, I, I am not a huge fan of if the season ended today, but... You know, if the season did end today and the 49ers won their first playoff game, their second one practically um, would be on the road in Minnesota against the Vikings. Like, I think they could win that game. Um, I think Minnesota is a good matchup for them because I think that Cousins, when pressured, uh, is able to be affected. And he would be affected on the fast turf of U.S. Bank Field against this front. But again, we're talking a game that is seven weeks away, or six weeks away, rather. Which, the only reason I, I, I emphasize that, it is seven weeks away. The only reason I emphasize that is that the 49ers play so friggin' hard. Um, that, I mean, you know, you, you have no idea where the injury bug is going to bite them at all by the end of the year. But as of right now, I think they would, I think they would have a very good chance to beat Minnesota. But I think going to Philadelphia is a little bit different kettle of fish because the Eagles 
have a great offensive line. They have weapons all over the offense. They can run it very well. And I think the Eagles are going to be a hard out for anybody, certainly anybody in the uh, in the NFC. But but as I, in my you know the way I would design the playoffs right now, or the way I would look at the playoffs right now, it'd be the 49ers likely as the third seed if they win the division. So then they would play the sixth seed, which would be let's just say for the sake of argument. Washington, the Giants, or Seattle, probably. That's a probably. And the other game, you know, would be, you know, five and four would be Dallas and Tampa. So, you know, if San Francisco got one of those other teams first, I think they would be fortunate instead of and being able to avoid Dallas in the first round. And then if I were San Francisco, I'd much rather play Minnesota than Dallas. So, you know, it could be that the Eagles will take care of Dallas for San Francisco or or for anybody else. But Philadelphia is the only team. I think Dallas would be very hard for the Niners to beat in the playoffs because they're just they're on fire offensively right now. And uh, I'm not sure that that the the Niners can score can keep up uh, with Dallas offensively. I mean, we'll see. But I think the only team I'd be really worried about in the NFC is Philadelphia. Peter, is Odell Beckham about to be a Cowboy? I don't know the answer to that. I saw that Ed Werder reported something that I have been harping on all along, which is I don't know what. I mean, everybody is so excited about Odell Beckham. I mean, and again, I don't mean to be the wet blanket of the year, but but I mean, just just think about it. It has been nine months since Odell Beckham Jr. has had ACL surgery. This is his second ACL surgery uh, in, in two straight years he had ACL surgery. The first time it took him over a year to be right when he came back. He had this surgery, I believe, around March 1st. So what leads anybody to think that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a really good player for any team, uh, even in mid-January? You know, that's still just 10 and a half months removed from surgery. And Ed Warder reported today that Cowboys have some concerns about uh, Beckham's ability to uh, to be anywhere near 100%. Uh, even by the middle of January. So, again, we'll see what happens, but I'm not sure anybody putting a lot of eggs in that basket is very smart. Uh, Two years ago, the NFC East was top to bottom awful, one of the the worst divisions ever in the history of the sport. How does that compare with the AFC South this year? And might that be be worse than, than than the 2020 division? AFC South or NFC South? They're both bad. They're, They're both, both awful, but terrible. I think I think the three teams in the AFC South are yeah. significantly worse than the three bad teams in the NFC South. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, right now, they're Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Houston are 13, 14, and 16 out of 16 in the AFC. And lately, it looks like Tennessee uh, is just 
just really, really struggling there. I mean, you can't make an impact in the playoffs in 2022 scoring 18 points a game, and that's what Tennessee's average this year. Um, I, I guess I would say that the thing that really stands out about the NFC East a couple of years ago is, that, is how horrendous they were. They all were on offense, and that really uh, it, it's a, it's just a little bit different this year. Uh, it's not maybe not quite as bad. Jacksonville has had some good days. Indianapolis has had a couple of good days, and it seemed like three years there, yeah, two, three, three years ago, whenever it was, two years ago that the NFC East it was just an absolute offensive wasteland. But here's the one thing I would say about this year's NFC East: um, on a given day, any team, any of those four teams can hold the opposition under 10 points. And that is a tremendous strength of a team, especially going into the latter part of the season. Peter King with us here on Damon and Ratto. Knowing that the Denver Broncos are about to be in the Russell Wilson business at least a year or two more, because that's just how that works. Yeah. Why in God's name are they still in the Nathaniel Hackett business? They have an owner who can fire a coach, and that's couch cushion money to him. W- what are they waiting for? I don't think it has anything to do with the money, of course. I mean, the owner of the team is worth $70 billion. But it has to do with the fact that Nathaniel Hackett hired a neophyte coaching staff for the most part. Most of the guys on his staff are... Uh, you know, are fairly inexperienced. And even if, let's just say, I mean, a lot of people have theorized, well, who would be the head coach? Well, you know, you might say, hey, why don't you give it to Dom Capers? Well, Dom Capers is 72 years old, I think. Um, I mean, is is that going to help? And is it going to help Russell Wilson? Or even if you give it to... Uh, you know, the, the, the number two in command on offense now is Clint, Clint Kubiak. I, I don't know. I don't know what good that does um, right now. So to me, I don't know what good it would do to fire him right now other than uh, for the fans to be able to say, ding dong, the witch is dead. Um And plus, here's the other one thing, all right? So a lot of people have talked about, look, the the owners are not married to this coach. They had nothing to do with hiring him, had nothing to do with hiring the GM, had nothing to do with signing or with trading for Russell Wilson. And I think one of the things that I heard right from the start is that this group, this ownership group, is going to be deliberate in figuring out how active they want to be, whether they want to be uh, big uh, uh, league people, whether they want to be on the committees and and try to be influential. I mean, they've just owned this team for 15 minutes, and I think that's the biggest reason why they haven't fired Nathaniel Hackett. Do you think Jim Harbaugh returns to the NFL or is he using NFL opportunities to get another extension out of Michigan? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess the one thing I would say is that 
he'll probably never be hotter than he is right now. And he's got he's going to have theoretically at least one or two teams that would be absolutely desperate to have him. Denver is one. Indianapolis might be another one. I think that if Indianapolis could get in the Jim Harbaugh business, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, fans, media, uh, veteran cult watchers, who think that uh, that Jim Irsay uh, would be smitten with the prospect of uh, of bringing Jim Harbaugh in. Uh, so I think that's a possibility, and I think. The other possibility in Denver is interesting for Harbaugh because he could make a jillion dollars and he would be in charge of fixing Russell Wilson. I think that would appeal to Harbaugh. But, you know, we'll see. There are going to be other jobs. Sean Payton is out there. I don't think Sean Payton has any interest in going to Denver. I doubt he has any interest in going to Indianapolis. He can't go to Carolina because the... uh, uh, the ownership would never trade him in the division. Um, so all of those things are interesting. The one little X factor I would say about Denver in, in going after uh, any coach is that I think this ownership group has no problem with spending a lot of money. They'll go big. So I think if any team out there really goes after, uh, you know, a, a highly regarded coach, whether it's Harbaugh or somebody else, I, I would not be surprised at all if it's Denver. Thank you, as always, Peter, for joining us. Really appreciate it. And, you know, my heart always palpitates during a, a long interview that we might get some breaking news somewhere. Nothing broke anywhere, so we're okay. Peter, thank you so very much. All the best, guys. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.